Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much In this 60-minute masterclass, y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass Or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. I said it because it's so rare that she's only... That's okay. (laughs) I just hit record mid-sentence. Maybe it would be interesting anyways. Hey everyone, welcome back to the HA podcast. It's me, Danny, here with Mishi and Ashley. Hello. Okay. okay, today we're doing um, Q&A stuff. I have them all over the various platforms. So I have all my devices. Um, before we do, how is everyone? Good. Good. 
Yeah. Other than I just had Wi-Fi rage, but that's not the topic of today. But yeah, I mean, we're really <laughs> other than that, we're... I'm shifting out. I'm shifting out of that. <laughs> that's okay. It happens. I also find um, in the heat for some reason, I, I tend to struggle with um, connection. I feel like the internet struggles in Texas in summer. It does. Okay. Well, um, I just wanted to do a Q&A. I think they're really fun episodes all the time to just ask questions. People have submitted them via email, via Instagram, and via YouTube comments. I love all those pipes. Pick your pipe. <laughs> Heck, people can comment on um, Spotify now. So like that's been happening. Oh, so fun. whatever you guys want to do, whatever you guys want to do, I'm going to try and find it and collect it. Um, let's dive in. Okay. Rebecca exclamation mark asks, hi, I recovered from HA a year ago, but a couple of months ago, I cut my carbs to help lower my blood sugar. Evidently the lower carbs were not enough to support my activities, daily walking and strength training three to four times per week. And I lost my period about a week ago. Since then I have stopped strength training and increased my carbs and calories so that I'm all in, in quotations, to restore my period. I'm heartbroken to lose all the progress I made in the past year working on body composition after gaining weight to get my period back. I'm just wondering if you have any advice. Do I really need to go all in? I feel like there's so much here. Yes. Do you need me to, do you want me to like share this question on my screen so that you can? Yes. I'm a, I need to visually dissect this. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Zoom it in, make it big. Okay. I I guess my question would be is like to help lower her blood sugar. Like how do we know that her blood sugar is just start in order of the things that came up in the email. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, not sure where it came from. Like, uh, what? It, why are you trying to lower your blood sugar? Was your blood sugar high? What's wrong? Do we know it's high? Also, you yeah. might want to check your thyroid because that's probably going to play a role as well too. Um, yes. So, I mean, but then also, so this actually, this isn't a tangent. This is related. I did get um, an application the other day asking if we help women who optimize their cycle. And I was like, well, we mainly focus on restoring cycles, but that is something that we do. Like we don't just restore the cycle and leave you hanging. I would love to have a cycle optimization business. I just know it would be really hard to sell. Yeah. So I did tell her like, this is actually something that we do very well. This is something that, because I think it's, I think it's rude (laughs) to just restore a cycle and then leave someone hanging. And Mm -hmm. maybe this is potentially what happened, especially when it's just like on your own type of thing, you know? Um, So my question would be, it's interesting again, well, the general public always just says lower carbs, but I bet you if she added protein minimum three times a day, she would, she would achieve lowering her blood sugar levels. If indeed it, I don't think, okay. And here, I don't think it needs to be lowered. I think it needs to be stabilized. So there's that. And I wonder too, just from reading the rest of the email guys, because like what we do is dissect words and find like the actual story. Uh And I feel like Rebecca, you didn't really provide to us like the symptoms 
or why you're feeling like you need your blood sugar lowered. And I'm wondering, right, and forgive if we're wrong, if we're totally missing context, but if you're saying, I did it to lower my blood sugar, but you actually just did it to cut your calories yes. because you could, because you don't want to gain weight, which the rest of this email is screaming. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my biggest thing is I'm just going to go on a limb and say that she's potentially not eating enough protein and she potentially does need to stabilize blood sugar levels, but cutting carbs as she has found is not the way to do it. And we see this actually a lot. We see this with people who've been misdiagnosed with PCOS. They're like, you know, like they, like they have been told by somebody to cut their carbs. And what it does is it leaves them down HA lane. And then, and they're like, I don't, I'm like stuck in this roundabout and I don't know how to get out mm. type of thing. So we're just going to go in that direction that most likely she needs help stabilizing her blood sugar levels. And that's okay. going to require taking a look at her food and providing her feedback. But I could bet she probably needs more protein um, and fat. Um, yeah, so there's that. We're going to think out of it as of like, what is she right. possibly, but it's like, she you is, can't just cut your carbs and not yeah. increase everything else as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause That's I would right. add to that is like, you can eat enough calorically, but if you are under eating carbohydrates that can trigger a starvation response in your brain and you will lose your period. So carbs are absolutely essential. And think about if you're like the only thing she did was cut her carbs and that's what, that's what sent her teeter tottering and dip back into HA then. And also how long has she lost her cycle? Like, is it just one cycle? Is this just, she, a said, she said a week ago. So that okay, means so this is like a delayed cycle. it's really just a delayed cycle. Okay. Okay. For now. Right. It's not until it's, it has definitely not happened mm-hmm. for like. And I got this question actually the other day, like, at what point do you, do you say um, that it's a missed cycle or just like a delayed one, you know? Yeah, good um, question. Well, and I guess, cause we have, uh, we have like some solid statistical evidence to say that post HA, you could expect ovulation to potentially take up to 45 days. So I stick with two months. Like, oh, so month so like month. two months is your like, if you haven't ovulated by cycle day 45, they're like, um, I'm, I'm going to be less friendly towards the idea that this is the natural amount of time that it's taking for your second period to come. Right. Cause of course we want it to get shorter and shorter. And we want like those, we don't want 45 days to be the norm, but maybe for the second one, we can expect that because that is high, like reported, right? I don't know if it means it's right or good, but that is what the evidence suggests. It, it you know. What about what about if you're just a regular person that has not had HA? I think that you should always be curious about delayed ovulation, right? It happens. I think it's a part of being a woman. Is every now and then something's going to happen, and you're going to have to be ovulate late don't stress about it you know what I mean like that's not a big deal that's a part of being a woman it's great that you're aware that it's late so you don't panic and type in like to google like help am I pregnant but 
Um, <laughs> but certainly like just being aware of what causes it and why. And then if that starts to prolong, you know, having the wherewithal to know that it's probably related to something that you're doing is important. And, you know, th- three months is what is said for HA, right? And like the diagnostic yeah. criteria, three months, no period, HA. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I, I like 45 because I'm like, okay, something's up <laughs> by then. Like, it's not just like, you know, I don't. Yeah. So, so technically, technically she's probably hasn't reached. I don't want to like demotivate her, but I would just say that right now she just has a delayed cycle. And so her next sentence is actually really interesting. And since then I've stopped strength training and increased my carbs and calories so that I'm all in to restore my period. And I think, um, this is where coaching is so helpful because if you're coaching with us, then it's like, you would have already known that this was approaching because we would have taught you how to look at your chart and be like, Oh, I missed ovulation. Oh, there's a lack of cervical mucus. Oh, these changes that I made, my body's not happy with. And so it's um, interesting that I feel like I'm sensing one swing to the other, like she swung and cut her carbs and now she's swinging back the other way. And really and truly, you probably don't need to stop strength training. You probably don't need to stop walking. You probably just need to add your carbs back in and add some fatty or protein sources. And like, you're probably going to be just fine. And so I think, um, this is where it could feel so like, what is my body telling me? What is it asking for? And yeah, after one just, week of delay, it's like, yeah, and right? you have, you've been recovered for a year. Uh-huh. You've been training, getting a period and you have one, one week delay props for being on top of it and aware and being curious, yeah. like, oh my gosh, what yeah. is it? I'm being aware that like, okay, maybe a couple months ago, it is related to the cutting of carbs, but like, no, yeah. no, you don't have to go all in again, which is her, yeah. and yeah. which yeah. is her actual question. Back, yeah. Bring back, bring back some carbs. <laughs> don't be slicing those suckers back to our original thing of stabilizing blood sugar balance. And then all, obviously the other question is, have you been ovulating? Because if you haven't been ovulating and you've been like riding the edge of how much, because she said that I'm heartbroken to lose all the progress I made in the past year working on body composition after gaining weight, which lets me know, is there a possibility that she's actually not been ovulating? And this is the result. And her body is finally like, screw you. I'm not doing it. I've held on for the last couple of months and given you a bleed, but I haven't been ovulating. So that's just something to kind of keep in mind as well, too, is like, this could be a reflection of habits from the past six months because HA doesn't happen overnight. So, yeah. And Rebecca, what I would add is, you know, I was a heavier dieter in my past and I had really never lost my cycle until I cut carbs. I was, I would say I was always on the spectrum though, with all of my dieting. However, I never actually lost my cycle until I cut carbs. And so I think the takeaway that I would give you would be balance. Like even in your statement and in your actions, there seems to be a lot of imbalance. So I would just find balance. And then I would find balance in the way that we're eating as well. So not cutting carbs, but making sure everything is in balance with protein and fat as well. Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, 
Do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing? And these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing, whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body, or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful Thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery so to get the checklist all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you you can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there. For real. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I feel like we could keep talking about that whole thing, but we won't. We'll keep it moving. That was a good one. It really was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. Thank you, Rebecca. Okay. All right. Um I hope you like take that picture and like post it up here. So while we're like answering it, like it's just question. That'd be cute in that in the edit. I'm not editing any of this. Okay, fine. But it would be cute. Well, I screen shared it the whole time. So we are going to be over in the corner. Um, I can do that again if you want. Here you go. So we're over to YouTube for the moment. I have some questions from people. Scribbletune asks, what if I don't have hunger cues in recovery? I'm not hungry every day and I'm so confused why. What should I do to get hungry? Eat. Right. Well, yeah. so sometimes um, we have this peptide that can show up. It shows up, and I'm not saying that you're anorexic. I'm just saying it has been proven to show up in anorexic clients where it actually decreases hunger, right? So that's so I bring this up because clearly we can see someone who's in an anorexic state and be like, how is that chick not hungry? And there is a peptide that winds up, you know, reducing hunger. Right. And so my suspicion is that we, as individuals who have HA experience some level or some increase in that peptide. And I think it's really interesting. I think it's PYY or 
yeah, I'll have to look it up, but it's one of those. Um, and also really and truly cortisol. We get so comfortable riding the cortisol train that um we're not hungry. And then when and when your anxiety is up, you're not hungry. So when your body's stressed out, you're not hungry. And we're really stuck in this fight or flight, and we're not switching over. This is one of the biggest signs that my clients have not switched over into the parasympathetic state is because they're just stuck in the fight or flight and they're not able to weave in and out. And whenever you're able to weave in and out appropriately, you're able to feel your hunger cues. You're able to hear hunger, right? And plus, you know, so there's many reasons, but I feel like those are my top reasons that I see. And then I'm sure there's like a whole lot that we can dig into. Yeah. Well, the, the question of just like, what should I do to get hungry? Like mm-hmm. Misha said yeah. at the beginning was, um, you know, eat, eat more. It's really a thing of like, if that, if that's going to happen for you, you do need to refeed, right? You can't just like bump calories up a little bit. You do need to refeed. Yeah. And, and I think this is where mechanical eating comes in, where it's like, you know, that you need to eat. So you're going to eat based off of that information. Not everything is about our feelings. Yes. Yeah. I, I would start with breakfast first. If you are, have a, if your hunger cues are, have gone offline, definitely start with breakfast first and just do it for two weeks. I guarantee it'll come back and stop drinking coffee. Maybe as well. It might help. Yes. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. yes. <laughs> no fizzy waters. If, if you're drinking more than one cup and yes, Danny. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. If, if you're drinking more than one cup, if you're drinking coffee throughout the day, if you're drinking fizzy waters, if you're drinking a gallon of water a day, and you're telling me that you're not hungry, it's because we have, like we have selectively chosen certain waters or fluids that like, um, chases off hunger and, and gives us this fullness. And kind of like that cortisol, like there is this like cortisol high, like it almost feels good to move past this hunger. And then it, and then like it catches like that cortisol high catches. And then like, you're like, I feel amazing. Mishi, didn't you overhear a conversation where this chick was like, I fast for 18 hours and I feel amazing. Right. It's because it's a oh cortisol my gosh. Yes. Like, I, I went to it. donate, I went to donate blood the other day. And this lady ahead of me was telling everybody about how she fasts for 18 hours a day. And she feels fantastic. She's probably she just hungry. That's great. why she's telling everybody. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, she ended up getting denied because her blood pressure and her heart rate was too low. So there's that. So we know yeah. that like, she's, she's actually doesn't feel that great. I really, really wanted to ask her about her cycle, but you know, <laughs> nice side note, two things too, that from both of you, what you brought up. So that has happened to me too, before when I went to donate blood and I was rejected for the same reason. Right. And they sat down with me and for whatever reason, they felt the need to over communicate to me that like, you know, the reasons why I couldn't do it. I was like, fine, whatever. But they kept on, um, they kept on telling me it's a good thing. I'm jealous. You know, it's like, um, you're, it's like, you're too healthy. It's like, you're so healthy 
that it's it's just going to make it hard for us to get enough blood. <laughs> I swear to God that this is a true story. I'm like so baffled. Like, well, that didn't happen to this lady because that that came into my mind of where it was like, well, if I were at a doctor's office right now, I would be being told that this is like amazing. Like you're so healthy. But the lady literally handed her a pamphlet of like, you need to eat. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, they told me just next time you come, just like drink a soda before you come. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's crazy out there. And then the thing you were saying on um, about water, Ashley, uh, like the fizzy drinks and all the good stuff. Well, I was actually having a conversation earlier today with one of our clients from the restore program. Um, she's a primary care doctor and she was kind of saying how like uh, we had apparently, I think we had talked about this on another episode maybe. And so why she brought it up or no, or in one of our community calls that Mm -hmm. if you walk around with like a big gallon bottle of water all the time and you have this, like, it's a diet rule right? One of the diet rules that came up for her in her diet rule audit, which is a part of the program that she would have to drink all this water, like, you know, drink all this water all the time. So you're always full of water, but in her clinical training, when she did like her residencies and stuff, she remembers being told by like the spe- the kidney specialists and stuff, like just drink water when you are thirsty, mm-hmm. like, please do not. And, and that a lot of people are get hospitalized for over hydration and that is a massive diet rule and so many women are trying to block their hunger by drinking excessive water and it's like it's diet advice that is commonly given as medical advice as medical advice and a lot of women through ha continue doing that because it's a rule they can hold on to safely yeah that's such a good point and now that i'm like what two and a half years and then six months before Nuggie, whatever. Um, I never carry water with me. Y'all guys. No, I me either. Carry- I like love it. It's so much easier. Yeah, I'm like, oh, thank gosh. One last thing. But I used to carry so much water. But so I used to live in the desert and I used to live in Yucca Valley and, and it was only four hours to Vegas, right? So I would just pop up there for like the week and whatever. I remember one time I legit... I was like, I'm healthy. Look at me. And I have my water and plus water safety in the desert. Anyways, I remember I like had to pull over twice on the way to Vegas. Couldn't even make it to like the next rest stop because it's in the middle of nowhere and had to pull over and pee on the side of the road because I was just always drinking so much, but with such urgency, I was like, if this is how I am, like at 30, what is my life as an older adult? Like, like what am I, you know what I mean? I was just like, I mean, the urgency, it actually shocked me as I was peeing excessively looking at like the cactuses, you know, being like, I don't like this probably isn't normal. Cause I was just like flushing out my system. Of course, my pee was always clear because like, because that was always like the gold standard, uh, AKA that means you have no electrolytes and I wasn't putting any electrolytes in my water. I wasn't even putting any salt back then. Cause I had no idea. I was literally just like waterboarding my system basically. Mm. Yeah. So now it's- I don't carry water with me. Who is that coach from the, the biggest loser? I forget what her name is. Jillian yeah. Yeah. I like remember her. It was either a post or something. She was like, you, 
I don't know verbatim what she said, but basically she was just like, you know, you're so healthy when you pee clear. And I was like, oh gosh, this couldn't be. I mean, she's famous for advice. advice. She's famous for all advice. <laughs> for awful advice. Yeah. Okay. Way, to, way to like never. Okay, great. Like, how do you get famous for awful advice? So we're like, people aren't even upset when it comes from you anymore. That's yeah. interesting. You know, the one thing I wanted to say about the whole, the doctor comment of where it's like, man, diet culture is so strong that she mm-hmm. neglected that piece of education that she had gotten before about like, you know, you should probably yeah. just drink when you're thirsty, but like diet culture actually is like, no, I should just drink. Oh no. Yeah. She openly admitted, you know, like so many do that. She just felt like it just didn't apply to her. Yeah. But that's the whole HA journey. Ain't none of this applies to me. I am that's the why, like you can say it out loud and still not break any HIPAA rules because it's just everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I just feel like we should get unicorn hats. And like whenever it's a this doesn't apply to me because I am a unicorn. Or just press a button and it like flies across the screen. Yes. <laughs> See, you're gonna have to edit. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I, I think the long and the short of that whole question for her is like you know, hunger isn't wrong. And I just think as women, we have, and maybe men are also included in this too, is that hunger is bad. It's wrong. And it's not, it's, it's a mm-hmm. like biological sign that your body needs something from you. Like if you had to pee, you wouldn't just hold it. You would go to the bathroom. So like, why, if your body's saying I'm hungry, are we all like, oh my gosh, I have to do something about this and not eat. It just blows my mind. Yeah. Well, someone came out with like the great idea that like, you know, if you ignore this, you'll be thin. <laughs> and we just like ran with that. One of my, um, my best friend from in high school, I haven't spoken to her in many years, but she, I remember she had lost tons of weight. I hadn't seen her for a bit because um, I left school. She stayed in school and I saw her and she had just lost tons of weight. And she was like, this is like year 11. You know what I mean? Like you're practically an adult. And she's like, did you know banana bread is healthy? And like, if you're Australian, you know that banana bread is like a national food. Banana bread is everywhere. I do love banana bread. Banana bread's great. And she, but she was like, it's a health food. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, and this might be triggering. It's like trigger warning. But she's like, all I do is eat two pieces of banana bread a day. And I lose all this weight. Wait, that's all she ate all day. All day? <laughs> well, obviously, duh. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't the crickets all bread. day. You, you can use, like, you can eat two crickets all day and you'd lose weight. You can eat two pieces of watermelon all day. And, you know what I mean? Oh, bless. But the, well, it, it was the, the association with this and with weight loss and health, right? Mm-hmm. it's like well actually that's a different thing that you're doing they're totally separate things right but it shows like how the blurred lines between this and and it's a good example because every single one of us have come across a situation where we have heard someone referring to how little they eat as a health protocol well if we go back to the fasting lady like i felt like that's what she was doing she's like i eat so little like i'm such a good person yeah. I mean, it's definitely, <laughs> some people definitely see it. Right. And many of us have seen it as, um, yeah. Making you a good person. Right. Yeah. So, Been there. Okay. Moral bliss 78. 
asks or says, I have a question for one of your next Q&A videos. Is there, <laughs> is, there, is there ever a point after weight restoration and HA recovery that one doesn't have to eat as soon as she wakes up in the morning? I'm still never hungry as soon as I wake up, usually before 5 a.m. during the week and have forced myself to eat anyway. I've had going on five recovery bleeds so far, all exactly 28 day cycles. So I would think that I'm pretty recovered quotes. Thanks. Interesting. Do you guys need me to keep that question up or do you feel like you've got it? I feel like I've got it. I feel like I'm never hungry at 5 a.m. It's just I too early. early on. I have been, I was early on in recovery and remember when, and I've talked about this a lot. I couldn't, I was struggling to get my postpartum period back just a little delayed. I was being a little bit lackadaisical with things. I had to get back on board with that. And my hunger did pick up again. And for a while I was really, I was hungry as soon as I woke up, but it did subside again, eventually too. So was my experience with it. Did you ever have the 5am hunger, Mishi? No, because I don't wake up at 5am. <laughs> my body would like wake me up at 5am. <laughs> Oh, like you're talking about in recovery, like hunger pains type. I had, I had those types of experience where I was like so hungry that I would wake up, um, from that, but that was from under eating. Yeah. So I made it a rule that if I don't have to get up, I will not be getting up before 7am. So so your kid sleeps that late that's psychotic yeah nugs definitely sleeps late um just because I just I don't know I just feel like my (laughs) I just feel like the one way the one way I give my adrenals a hug because I'm sure I burn it at other ends and so so like this is a combination different for everybody right some people I mean I feel like if I don't keep myself in check like I will burn the candle at both ends so my way of giving my adrenals a hug is not waking up at 5 (laughs) a.m you know what I mean unless unless I have to right so like for me that's my self-care is that this chick ain't getting up until she naturally opens her eyeballs now obviously having a kid thankfully she sleeps in you know um now so I feel like that um but but I have been getting up but with that I have been getting up because my schedule has changed and even then I am not hungry but I will eat a protein bar on the way to the gym okay so I will still force myself to eat yeah like if I have to catch like a super early flight or something and I am up that early I have like an adrenal cocktail or yeah like Ashley I have some sort of bar like I do still consume some sort of glucose and protein like or some sort of calories just to give my body something until when I get to that destination spot I can sit down and have something to eat I don't absolutely just like have coffee or something I don't know this person is saying she wakes up before 5 a.m on the weekdays so she has a job in where with which she has to wake up is going to be the assumption so she can't do what your what you do ash or me she well I would just say have a protein bar then yes the answer is yes have a protein bar until like at least just get yourself to work and then if you want to eat at work have like your actual traditional breakfast or whatever you feel good with but yes if I have to get up 
I'm getting, I am, I'm eating still. Exactly. Um, just watch your chart. If you mm-hmm. ovulate and everything's good, do whatever you want, right? That's the magic of it is that like, you don't have to guess. Am I, is what I'm doing fine? Or am I going backwards? Am I ovulating? Am I not? Um, and then if you're, so like me, I don't do, I had to do those things. Currently I'm not, I'm, I'm eating like a roughly an hour into having woken up and it's just fine, you know? So, Okay. I think we have time. We might have time for one more. One more. Let's do it. Okay. I'm trying to find where it went. I'm sorry. I can't find it. So I'm going to bring up this Instagram one that I have. Quests. All right. Um, Akila says, Hi, I wanted to ask a question about HA. I lost my period around nine months ago due to anorexia, but I started recovering at the start of May. I dealt with huge amounts of extreme hunger. Hmm, it's the theme. Huge amounts of extreme hunger, but it was it has worn off now that I think now that I think I'm in or close to my set point range. Once it wore off, I noticed I got cervical mucus. It was not really wet when I saw it. It was just dried up. It, it came consistently for a couple of days, even while I had sports going on. And I think I stopped eating as much as I was and it stopped coming. Is that normal? How can I get it back ASAP? Please let me know. Also, I forgot to mention, it also stopped after I took a herbal laxative. Does that contribute at all? Okay. So she's it. Okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, I, I'm like, I'm trying to understand. Okay. <laughs> Nine months ago, lost period due to anorexia. So very recent eating disorder. Got it. Huge amounts of extreme hunger. Makes sense. But that wore off because I gained weight. You think you're close to your set point range. We, we tend to not necessarily take a personal opinions on that into account, but we will acknowledge you have gained weight. Once it wore off, the, so the extreme hunger wore off, hormonal symptoms began, such as cervical mucus, um, but not a lot, just dried up cervical mucus, she's kind of saying. Um, and it was consistent for a few days. And I think that I stopped eating as much, which means I stopped eating as much. And it stopped coming. Is that normal? Okay, okay. Uh, yes, if you have had anorexia and you were eating more and you saw positive progress and then you stopped eating as much and all that progress went away, that would be considered normal. But I think what she means is, is that okay that that happened? So I think that this is where um, it's very interesting how the body is so firm with its boundaries as until I get X amount of food consistently, 
I'm not going to turn on like the HBO access. And instead what, like we could see years of hormonal activity and yet never get to a place where it's enough to trigger ovulation. And so hormonal activity isn't just the goal because even with hormonal activity, you're still potentially very low in estrogen because it's not enough to trigger ovulation. And then therefore you're not ever getting progesterone, right? And so therefore we still run the risk of other things being um, not optimal, like your thyroid and your adrenals, right? So what happens is that we have this hormonal activity that does point that what you were doing, AKA eating more was the right thing. And as soon as you pulled back, your body was like, Poof, no. So that's kind of yeah, what- and I would be so interested to understand why the laxative came into play. Was that something where you felt like you needed to still feel thin, or was it were you feeling some sort of like constipation of some sort? So if it's if it's the constipation piece or digestion piece, like that also tells us that like you know you still have like a sluggish metabolism because like your digestion is moving super slow too. And so all the things that Ashley just mentioned are going to help support your digestion. So eating more is going to help, you know, alleviate constipation and um, alleviate digestive discomfort. So I'd just be curious of what the laxative and how that fell into there. Yeah, probably has underperforming digestion and bowel movements, you know, probably pretty common. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure the downregulated T3 is not helping due to pulling back on food. Yeah. Yeah. I hear a lot of like all this stuff happened not that long ago and I'm still exercising. Right. She was like due to sports, you know, so I'm still exercising and I titrated down on food and I'm wondering if this is related to my missing period. 100%. 100%. How recent, how long did she say that she had her cycles? A year? No. Am I no. Making- You're thinking back to the first person. Right. Right. No, this chick had anorexia nine months ago. Something. Fill me in. I forgot. Yeah. Nine months ago. And she started uh, recovery in May. At the start of May. May. Too soon to be backing off on eating, if that's your history, especially, but really for anyone. Well, so yeah, anybody. Any change you make, if you made progress and then you back off. What do you expect? You know, is that de- definitely going to happen? And, you know, well, even when someone gets their first recovery cycle, you're still going to be, you're like HPO is still going to be sensitive, but let alone you just came off of anorexia. It's extremely sensitive. Extremely don't, don't be sensitive. getting it twisted just because you, you know, just because you may have gotten a period, which she didn't actually mention. I don't think so. I don't think she even got a recovery period. You know what I mean? But, um, mm-hmm. Just because you like saw some hormonal progress is so far from meaning that you should stop doing what you're doing. So mm-hmm. like, it doesn't mean, oh, okay, I started it and now it's going, you know, it, you have to keep pushing the stone, right? Like you have to keep, keep doing that. So Aquila, um, I think that you're probably just like kind of moving back to habits that are more comfortable for you. 
and you need to go back to what has been working. And I know that you are, you feel like you're close to your set point weight. And that's probably the thing that's really mentally like making you feel like you shouldn't have to continue this process, but you're actually likely not at your set point weight. You didn't provide any numbers for us, but just like what we know (laughs) from like practice, but yeah, don't let that make you feel like you need to be stopping what you're doing. And with that, thank you guys for listening. If you have a question you want to submit, please do so wherever you want. Pick your pipe. And you can follow us on Instagram at the AJ Society. And everyone's bios are linked in the description. So you can go and follow everyone and just like get your solid dose of recovery motivation. Everyone have a great day and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So Temp Drop itself is a wearable fertility monitor. And we love it. It's a wearable device. So you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are. And that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So temp drops accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs. And then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy or you want to chart for health reasons, like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction. Temp drop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the temp drop. And we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code so just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code afhasociety 
I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other... Like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef and my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp which is important for overall thyroid function which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now do not skimp the nutrient rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.